You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers a recap of the week's major T-News headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. T-Biz is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Climate pack boosts morale, but will momentum build? Tea lowers risk and the severity of stroke, and the Golden Leaf Awards have returned. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Elliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. The Glasgow Climate Pact constructively addresses issues critical to the tea industry, both for brands such as carbon trading and producers in emissions control and the document advances efforts to end deforestation and phase out coal. The pact makes concrete tools used to curb warming, establishes new rules to hold countries accountable for reducing emissions, but it fell short of financing necessary mitigation and less developed tea lands. The pact also leaves unresolved how much and how quickly each nation must cut emissions. Delegates returned to their homelands, demonstrating greater cohesion and consensus that every nation must do more before the 2022 summit. While the agreement advances the Paris Accords, it is not likely to contain atmospheric temperatures to less than 1.5 degrees Celsius above their pre-industrial levels. Scientists estimate that close adherence to pledges by major emitters to cut emissions this decade may limit global warming to around 2.4 degrees Celsius. Warming to that level will wreak havoc in the tea lands in three hot spots where degrading tea quality and reduction in yield are already apparent. South India is one hot spot where tea production is threatened. India's Prime Minister made a bold promise to cut emissions to zero by 2070, India's first carbon public commitment to cap greenhouse gases. India is the world's fourth largest emitter of carbon dioxide. 
China announced it will be carbon neutral by 2060, and both the U.S. and E.U. aim to reach net zero in 2050. Business Insight Many of the 74 countries where tea is produced find it difficult to finance climate mitigation efforts at the farm level. Unresolved at this year's summit are concrete steps by developed countries to make good on a $100 billion a year promise to assist poor nations to build clean energy alternatives to coal and wood. A decade-long study of 365,000 people suggests that tea and coffee drinkers are 32% less likely to suffer a stroke when compared to non-drinkers. Results of the UK Biobank study initiated in 2006 and continued through 2020 were reported this week in the online journal PLOS Medicine. The authors write that, quote, while previous studies have looked at associations between tea and coffee consumption and better brain health, there has been inconsistency in findings, end quote. Our findings suggest that moderate consumption of coffee and tea separately or in combination were associated with lower risk of stroke and dementia, end quote, writes lead author and professor Wan Zhang at Tijian Medical University in Tijian, China. He said it is also possible that coffee and tea consumption might be protective against dementia and post-stroke dementia. Strokes cause 10% of deaths globally and often result in post-stroke dementia. Researchers cite a weakness in the study in that participants were in better health than the population as a whole and that the participants were mainly white and British, 96%. Quote, therefore, we cannot infer an association that is relevant to everyone in the UK, end quote. Biz Insight. Drinking two to three cups of coffee or three to five cups of tea daily, or in combination, led to a 28% lower risk of dementia compared with those who do not drink tea or coffee. Researchers say that around 40 years of age, the immune system starts to decline. As people age, they experience a form of chronic low-grade inflammation. Experts have linked this kind of age-related inflammation to dementia and cognitive decline. The worldwide population of those aged 60 and over will grow to 2.1 billion by 2050, according to the United Nations. Rates of dementia are expected to increase alongside this aging population, according to Medical News Today. The Golden Leaf Awards, sponsored by the Australian Tea Masters and suspended during the height of the pandemic, have returned in 2021. The deadline to enter the competition is near. Jessica Natalie Willard has this report. If you have a tea that is available in Australia, you'll want to check out the 2021 Golden Leaf Awards and submit your teas by November 30th. The Golden Leaf Awards are presented by the Australia Tea Masters and have many, many categories you can enter. 
green, black, white, yellow teas, matcha, puer, herbals, chai, iced tea. There's even a category for tea packaging. The judging is blind and done by industry professionals. Australia Tea Masters founder and CEO Sharon Johnston joins us on the podcast today to talk about the 2021 competition as well as this year's feature country, Sri Lanka. Why should someone submit their teas to the awards? It's a great opportunity for small farmers, for people that have unique teas or people who are blending their own teas to to actually showcase it to the public and get their name out there and let people go to their website and find out what sort of teas they have. What should our listeners know about the blind judging for the Golden Leaf Awards? This one will be run actually with uh, having, we're able to have live judges again uh, coming out and different sectors and it'll be run in our normal way we ran it. Before it was very hard because we're doing it individual days with individual judges and a lot of remotely. So it's quite hard to actually send out teas and get it judged and bring back the results last year. But this year we're, we're back to our old style of judging. So everyone will be assembling into one place to judge? Yeah, we have limited numbers over limited days, so we will only have four per day, um, but we break up the categories anyway and we try to get specialists in the, the each particular category to actually like, uh, for example, design packaging design would be graphic designers and things like that. So we include different sectors of the industry. What was your objective in founding these awards? When we first started, um, after being in the tea industry for quite a few years, I mean, maybe four or five years, I realised that there was no awards in Australia for tea or even in, in throughout the Asian region. And I, I visited many small farmers around the world and realised that they didn't have an opportunity, which is why we started the category of a, a focused country. And, yeah, just to give people the opportunity to put their teas into the Australian market. And, and obviously now with online, everybody's touchable. So we thought it was a great chance to sort of showcase people's teas. And when you say a focused country, who's the focus for 2021? So for this year, we've chosen Sri Lanka because there's a a group of about 25 farmers who have developed some amazing teas and in small batches. And uh, so we choose a a different country each year. And for this this year, it's Sri Lanka. So we're hoping to see some amazing teas um, from them and they're going to send them all in one batch. We should get them this week. So, yeah, it's great. Thanks to Sharon for joining us today. Head to goldenleafawards.com.au to learn how to submit your tea before November 30th. You'll want to keep an eye on the site too to see bios and information about all this year's entrants. One more time, that's goldenleafawards.com.au. Aravindan and Theraman in Bengaluru reports on this week's India Tea Auction Prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending 13th November 2021. After concerns about cheap imports of tea from Nepal, the focus has shifted to Kenya. Kenyan teas imported and blended with Assam, Darjeeling, Nilgiri and Kangra tea are impacting the quality of Indian tea being sold. Indian media reported that imports from Kenya have seen a 146% year-on-year increase between January and August this year. The Tea Board of India has taken a stern stance with tea importers being asked to report storage of imported tea 
Within 24 hours, the board will also do random checks of these teas to ensure they conform to requirement for tea distribution within the country. The board has also issued circulars to tea stockists asking for reports on quantity and quality of imports made. In markets this week, Kolkata saw good demand, especially for dust tea. CTC and Orthodox too saw good demand. Prices remain nearly the same as the previous week. Guwahati saw good demand with the major blenders active. In the south, Kochi saw good demand for CTC leaf with upcountry buyers expressing interest. Exporters to CIS and Middle East were active for Orthodox leaf. CTC dust saw better demand from local buyers, upcountry buyers and major packeteers. Kunur saw better demand for CTC leaf as compared to orthodox leaf. And now as winter sets in, attention is expected to turn to the south for teas. And now, a word from our sponsor. Q-Trade understands that a successful tea blend goes beyond the creative fusion of appearance, aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website QTradeTees.com India's highest levels of government are reforming the basic structure of agriculture. The intent is to loosen regulations on pricing and storage and to permit direct sales of produce. The rules have protected India's farmers from the free market for decades. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has called the reforms, quote, a watershed moment, end quote, for Indian agriculture. In part two of Aravinda and Theraman's Newsmaker interview, Prabhat Bisbora, chairman of the Tea Board of India, describes a new board mission to increase consumption, promote tea exports, and expand markets at home and overseas. He also addresses discussions underway to transfer regulatory oversight of India's tea industry from the Ministry of Commerce to the Ministry of Agriculture and Farmers' Welfare. During the past few months, the Tea Board of India has shown signs of change. Stakeholders met to share a better understanding of the prevailing views of the Tea Act of 1953. Several amendments were proposed and sections within the Act were revised or discarded. The Minister of State for Commerce and Ministry, Anupriya Singh Patel, also visited several tea regions meeting various groups from the tea industry. We spoke to Prabhat Bezborua, Chairman of the Tea Board of India, on the changes that are underway. There has been news about the various reforms underway at the Tea Board. What can we expect in the coming year? The government is going to revamp the Tea Act. It's going to be a wholesale revamp. The role of Tea Board is also going to be redefined. That's uh, a work in progress and it's, it's already happening. Even the Plantation Labor Act is going to get subsumed once the code on wages and the Occupational Safety and Health Hazards Act are uh, implemented. They've already been passed, but the implementation is being delayed a bit uh, because uh, the government is is already under a lot of pressure the economy is uh, already under a lot of pressure due to the two COVID waves and the resulting 
huge disruption in trade and as soon as it comes in the plantation labor act will be subsumed by those two new acts and the two acts have a totally different take on uh, the remuneration that a plantation worker should get so that's one big change that we are foreseeing it will impact the organized sector as well as the unorganized sector as well as the small team growers and hopefully it will create a little more level playing field the other aspect is the tea act itself the tea act is being uh, amended once it's amended the role of the tea board will change will we be seeing this in 2022 well about the code on wages i don't know if you bring in the code on wages and the occupational safety and health hazards act now suddenly there'll be huge numbers of small and marginal businesses that may go under and it will be a big disrupting factor in the indian economy so i feel that uh, the code on wages and the occupational safety and health hazards act will be implemented in 2023 not 22 the t act amendments and modifications will definitely come through in 2022 should the t board become the t market expansion board once again as suggested in the letter by the guwahati tea auction buyers association should the focus be on building the market and promoting tea should that be the tea board's priority definitely i mean that's what i've been saying for the last 3 years i think that same letter was sent by the itef the itea the indian tea exporters association so people are realizing that the tea board should focus on marketing rather than on regulation quality control marketing and they they need to ensure that good teas are sold in, in the country they need to ensure that demand for tea goes up you spoke of quality being one of those things to go after but is there enough innovation happening in the industry that you think is going to help tea get better prices innovation is there at the at the front end they've come up with really fantastic tea rooms and tea boutiques where they sell really premium teas and all and definitely this is one uh, area where we should move forward in australia and in the us uh, there there have been new methods of brewing tea uh, like pressure steam rather than water which brings out more of the flavor so all those things are happening but uh, you know we are dealing with an output of 1390 million kilos these innovative methods of reaching the ultimate consumer are welcome it's not going to help bring that 1390 or any sizable percentage of that output out of the morass it won't you need to be innovative in the field which is not coming through you need to be open minded to new technology in the factories which is not coming through basically the tea industry remains very uh, high bound i believe that you know we do need to uh, come out of our uh, shell and we need to be receptive to new, new technology what's the tea board's response to challenges and concerns faced by the industry uh, we tend to you know give a lot of importance to the tea board but the tea board's abilities are limited ability to really help the industry in in very significant ways is limited but the tea board can change its focus 
Now what the what does the tea board do? One I told you already. They they run the auctions. The auctions are not badly run. The tea board is. I don't yes. think that they're doing a very very bad job. But they the whole structure of the auctions is wrong, and the tea board hasn't restructured them. And we just took the manual auction and converted it into a replica, electronic replica, where the hammer was replaced by the mouse. Mm. When we had the option, the opportunity. Of redesigning the whole platform, the whole structure of the platform, we had the opportunity, but we lost it. That was in two thousand eight, seven, eight. Now again, the tea board is over-regulating the industry, issuing licenses at its own whim. So you know that's really not the job of the tea board. Uh, the tea board should actually monitor. What is being imported into the country? You you mentioned that cheap imports. We can't block imports because under WTO you have to discourage it by having an import duty, and we already have a hundred percent import duty on tea. You can't go above that, and you shouldn't actually, right? So, but we can ensure that the tea coming into the country is clean. Uh, the tea board has to monitor these. The tea board is not doing that. Uh, that uh, maybe they they will now. I mean, so far they haven't done it. They need to check what kind of packets are being sold in the in the market. We talk about the young generation uh, not being that enthusiastic about tea, moving on to beverages, other beverages, other hot beverages like coffee and stuff like that. What are we doing to ensure that packets are of a reasonable quality? What are we doing? You know, I'm uh, surprised that uh, there are packets which are being launched below the most economy packet. You're going below the worst uh, quality you already have to try and attract new customers. I I fear that this kind of a strategy would actually push people away from tea. I feel that this whole concept of competing on price, like they do in supermarkets uh, in Europe and America, where a lot of things are price-driven, I feel that that strategy should not be aimed in India, because much uh, lower uh, segment that we are already in in supermarkets in America and Europe, the price of tea that they have on their shelves is fairly high. Compared to our our prices, so for them it does make sense to compete on price. But in India, the cheapest packets are already very cheap, and if you actually try to offer the consumer something cheaper, you have to compromise on quality. Right. And those kind of consumers who are offered these very cheap and very poor quality teas would get turned off from tea permanently, maybe. Yes. So you know, I think that uh, the marketing was. Should be fought on quality rather than on price, and that would expand the overall market for tea. And I feel that tea board has a role to play there because I feel we should look at the really cheaper packets and maybe the other packets and and test them. Uh, we should also test what's coming out from our gardens and ensure that all the tea that is sold uh, in India is as safe as that which is exported. Because we talk about uh, other countries, importing countries, putting non-tariff barriers on our tea by 
reducing their maximum residue limits. But I don't think that's wrong on their part. If somebody wants to protect its citizens more stringently, then they have the they da- damn well have the right to do so. Yeah. And we must ensure that our own citizens in the country yeah. are drinking tea which is as safe as that which is exported. What about news of the tea board coming under the Ministry of Agriculture? Is that something the industry or the board has been pushing for? The board hasn't been pushing for it. There, there was a meeting recently uh, where this, among other things, was discussed. But the meeting uh, didn't reach uh, any conclusion. There's going to be another meeting. And I think at the end of that meeting, we'll have uh, sort of uh, a clear uh, uh, guidance about what's, what's going to happen in the future. As far as uh, the industry is concerned, I think small tea growers are very keen that the board and the industry be uh, brought under the agriculture ministry. Small tea growers are very keen. As far as the larger producers are concerned and the associations are concerned, there's no consensus. I think some people uh, would prefer to be under agriculture and others would like the status quo. Tea came under commerce because it was India's most important export in the 50s. Uh, up to about 1953 or 54 believe it or not it was the biggest <laughs> it was a export yielding the the biggest revenue uh, the biggest value rather uh, so therefore it came under commerce today tea exports are just are under 1 billion in a total export value of about 300 billion so it's like 0.3% so it doesn't deserve to be in the commerce ministry actually but for yeah. historical reasons we are right. and giving it to agriculture might help small growers i i am not sure how much benefit it will bring right. uh, you know taking it out of commerce uh, might bring the export focus down further uh, mm. and uh, as i said uh, exports remain a large a part of our business plan i mean even though uh, domestic consumption is five times exports practically now uh, even then exports are crucial in stabilizing the market and ensuring a better price for producers so i wouldn't like the export focus to go what about the tea brands that are coming up what role can they play in building this market and supporting the industry what would you like to see them do i'd like to see them compete on quality as they are doing tea box people like that have some really uh, high quality offerings but i would also like them to uh, expand their markets faster than they are doing because you know as i told you uh, these innovative marketing approaches are only barely scratching the surface when you're talking about Uh, a production level of thirteen hundred and ninety million kilos. If you have a uh, hundred thousand or hundred and twenty thousand kilos, which is going uh, in in into one of these premium brands, it's not really going to make much of an impact on the entire industry, on the industry as a whole. But that's not to demean their efforts or their importance. They are very important because although Darjeeling was only seven million kilos production. it used to act as a flagship of india a flagship 
produce of India. It got the GI. And even today, uh, when you talk about premium teas, the first tea that comes to mind is Rajali. So likewise, some of these brands which have come into the market recently, as long as they focus on exclusivity and high quality, as long as they you know, are able to lift the whole category up a little bit, they become a face of the industry, isn't it? Because they showcase the best of what is available and the best of what is possible. Exactly. And and you see what would happen is, there, if somebody drinks their tea, they would like it a lot. And maybe they would try another few yeah. brands. Maybe right. their friends who can't afford such high-priced teas would buy something else. Will the domestic market compensate for what is lost in the export market? Exports uh, now are only... Uh, 20% or less of our total production, 18, 17% of total production. So we need to get people in India to drink more tea and better tea. If we can do that, a lot of our uh, marketing problems will be over. But exports are important because India needs exports, number one. And uh, without exports, you can't establish a, a stable and remunerative primary market for tea. So for both those reasons, we need to focus uh, on both exports as well as boosting domestic demand up. What would you say about the whole move to organic? Darjeeling seems to be moving towards turning organic as a way to survive. Do you think that's necessary, especially on the back of what has happened in Sri Lanka? You see, Darjeeling needs organic Mm. because uh, the, the difference between a conventional estate, the the yield difference between a conventional estate and an organic one in Darjeeling is less than it is here in Assam. Assam is a hothouse. It's like a greenhouse, you know, temperatures, uh, extremely humid conditions. Under these conditions, conventional agriculture will give you, if not double, but almost double the crop of organic organic agriculture in tea and therefore you need to sell your organic produce at almost double the price of your uh, conventional produce which uh, in the recent past or even in you know the last 20-30 years hasn't been the case there is strong demand for organic tea but it's at a price which is 30 or 40 percent more than conventional teas and with that kind of a price premium for organic uh, it won't be uh, yeah. sustainable and uh, that's what happened in Sri Lanka uh, that was a bold step they took and you know if they had stuck to it and if the entire the global tea industry became organic you would be seeing huge price increases you'd see prices moving into the 7-8 dollar bracket worldwide maybe more actually you know the whole industry the entire global industry would have to convert. In part one, Tea Board of India Chairman Prabhat Bezbura discusses the current situation and challenges, and he describes the economic and societal forces driving change in India's tea industry. Be sure to listen to part one on your favorite podcast player. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of tea biz journalists and tea experts? 
Remember to visit the TVIZ website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 